How many of you have some version of unresolved conflict in your world right now? A misunderstanding, a disagreement, a conversation that didn't end well, that's still sitting with you. You're not alone. But I can promise you that ignoring that conflict is not going to help. In fact, the longer you let it sit there, the more damage it's going to cause to you, to relationships, to your productivity, to your morale. You're not alone, but there's something you can do about it. Welcome to the Real Leadership Podcast. My name is Chris Obst. I've spent the last 25 years going deep with leaders on the real challenges they face, the stuff that keeps them up at night. Are you ready for raw and honest conversations and the reality that self-leadership and personal growth are the keys to you being the leader that you were meant to be? Welcome back and thanks for joining me again. Uh, today's topic is a, uh, it's one of those words um, that can elicit all kinds of different responses in, in different folks, um, I guess at different times. And to jump right in, the topic is conflict. And it's been top of mind for me lately. My, my last newsletter I, I wrote was centered on mastering conflict. I've had a number of conversations with coaching clients lately around conflict and how well they're encouraging it, dealing with it, with their teams. So I'm going to ramble on a bit here. And, and as we go through, I'm going to ask you some questions about conflict, because I think one of the, the big things uh, that's useful to, to, to really get your arms around conflict is to understand your own relationship with it. Now, um, for years, I had this feeling doing work, consulting work and coaching work that you know, no one's talking about the cost of conflict, right? So a lot of the work that I do, you know, I would meet people in business that would put it aside into the, well, that's a nice to have its training and we all want to get better, but hey, we're running a business here and this is about bottom line or profitability or return for our shareholders. And I, I do understand that. I understand that's why businesses exist. But I also in the trenches knew that there was a cost to dysfunctional behavior and you know the work that I've done for years has been referred to as the soft skills and and you know I probably had a little chip on my shoulder around that knowing that well hang on this doesn't feel soft what I'm doing and you know recently a colleague of mine shared with me a stat and it was an inc.com study based in the United States and it said that it's an estimated 359 billion dollars in lost productivity via staff hours through unresolved workplace conflict. $359 billion. All about this soft stuff. So I think it's a really good place to start to say, you know, ignoring conflict or not handling it well is very costly, financially costly to organizations. And we do know that poorly managed conflict impacts the humans and causes all kinds of dissension and loss of job satisfaction and turnover. So what is conflict? I mean, I think if you look it up in the dictionary, it sounds something like a serious disagreement or argument, uh, typically a protracted one. So something that goes on and on. And I think one of the other things to, to really wrap our heads around is that what feels like conflict to me may not feel like conflict to you. 
But we can probably agree that it's it's some sort of a difference of opinion or disagreement where there's some tension involved. One of the um, models that I've followed for years, and I think, you know, you realize when you've been doing this 20, 25 years that there's some models that are really tried and true and they and they, they stand the test of time and they, they're still effective and, and functional today. And one of them is, is Patrick Lencioni's model of the five dysfunctions of a team. And I know I've quoted his work before. I think I did a, an episode on trust and we talked about the absence of trust being the number one dysfunction that, that teams and organizations struggle with. And the reason why trust is so important is because if you don't have trust, you will not engage in healthy conflict, which basically means debate, disagreement, having a difference of opinion and stating that difference of opinion to somebody else. And we know that people have different tolerances and comfort levels with that. And so how do we, how do we normalize it? How do we how do we make conflict something that we can ever actually leverage and lean into? And I remember my days, early days as a leader, conflict was something that was very difficult for me. And, and you know, the people that, that I worked with and that reported to me could, could attest to that. that the, you know, the, the natural um, pats on the backs and the encouragement, the nurturing of, of my staff came very natural to me. And a lot of that has to do with my personality and my upbringing. The holding people's feet to the fire, the calling them out when their behavior was offside, the letting people go was something I always managed to put off, procrastinate on, make excuses for. And um, obviously there's there's a relationship there between me and conflict that, that made me ineffective as a manager. And that's not an uncommon one in, in the leadership and executive coaching work I do. I'd say 50% of the people I work with say, oh yeah, I'm not good at that stuff. I, I struggle with that stuff. I'd, I'd rather not engage in conflict to the point where we can convince ourselves that conflict is bad. And so now we're just looking for, hey, you know, just bring me solutions, not problems. And if you, if you can't say something positive, don't say anything at all. And personally, I don't think that's realistic. And practically, in, in my work with leaders and teams, I, I, don't, I don't think it's functioning at the highest level. In fact, functioning at the highest level means you and I can engage in a healthy debate. And sometimes that debate can be passionate and heated because we should care. And if we all had the same opinion, you don't need all of us. The team doesn't need multiple people if we all have looked through the same lens and, and come to the same conclusion. So we know that if you trust each other on a team, in an organization, you're more willing to engage in healthy debate. And if you are willing to engage in healthy debate, then you get to be heard. I get to be heard and you get to be heard. So even if we don't agree on the final direction, we know that people are more likely to buy in if they've had a chance to weigh in. So trust is important in that we can feel safe in engaging in healthy conflict. So what is the difference between healthy and unhealthy conflict? And, and you know, recently I asked a group that I was facilitating with that question. And I think the things that popped up from the group were as good as anything that I've ever read or heard. And, and the things that, that popped up, they're just coming to my mind now. One was when, when this disagreement turns into a personal attack, I think it becomes unhealthy. When someone gets really angry. So when the emotions get so high that one or both parties or all parties move into that fight or flight. Some people are going to move into that fight where 
now their body language is going to get really assertive or aggressive. Um, they their voice may be raising. You know, there there's tension in their body. Others may shut down. They may freeze um, and not know what to do. And others will will fall into that flight, which is I don't need this shit, and and convince themselves that checking out of this conversation is actually the productive thing to do. So when it gets personal, when people get too heated, when when it's conflict, you know, serving your ego, protecting your turf, those feel like unhealthy. There was a leader I worked with, and I can't remember who it was, that, that said to me years ago, well, Chris, my, my belief system was always this, be tough on issues and tender with people. And you know, I think there's there's something that rings true to that for me. I like this idea. Well, let's be focused on the issue. And, you know, the tender with people. I think there's times to be tender with people and, and there's times to be firm and assertive with people. As humans, we need to protect ourselves and protect others. It's just it's just a way of being that um, if we're working on a work team and, you know, everything that I'm sharing with you here. I know I have some listeners that aren't leading teams, and um, if, if you have a family, if you have loved ones around you, siblings, a spouse, children, everything that I'm sharing with you about conflict applies. I mean, this doesn't come with your title. It's, it's actually really grounded in human nature. So why would we bother <laughs> weighing into conflict? Well, we know that teams that can engage in healthy conflict will come up with better ideas. They'll identify problems sooner. They'll work through problems faster. There'll be more creativity, more innovation. It actually does, it feeds back into creating more trust, more respect. And there's also a lot of personal growth that comes from this. You know, if I think of the, of the moments, the hardest things that have been shared with me that may have felt like conflict in the moment, most of them have turned, in, have turned into me growing in some area. So if you want to take it on and, and get more comfortable with engaging in healthy conflict, I think one of the greatest places to start is to understand your own relationship with conflict. Meaning, what does it feel like inside you? What are your no norms around engaging with conflict? Because if you start there, then you're going to understand your hesitance or your desire to move into or away from a conflict situation. And then hopefully, you understand that others around you have their own relationship with conflict. So you may be engaging in conflict with someone with a completely different appetite or mindset or belief system around conflict. So what I thought I'd do with you, um, often when I'm working with teams, I have this, this survey I do, and we call it Mastering Conflict. And what it is, is a series of questions that gets you thinking about your own relationship with conflict. So I'm going to take you through that questionnaire now, so you can pull over if you're driving. And just take a minute, just, just close your eyes, take a couple deep breaths, and I want you to just think about your own comfort level with conflict. And I know conflict can mean a, num a number of things, but just when I say to you, how comfortable are you with conflict? On a scale of one to 10, one meaning you're not comfortable at all, you run from anything that looks or smells like conflict, to a 10 meaning, sign me up, you're diving in with both feet, bring it on. Okay, so just give yourself a rating. And again, this is just for you. <laughs> the second question is to think about what factors in your, in your culture, in your experiences, 
might have influenced or affected the way you feel about conflict? What were you exposed to in your early days and years in life that, that might have encouraged you to embrace conflict or actually really shut you down and push you away from it? What do you know about your, your personality type? Most of the leaders that I work with have done some sort of a personality assessment like a Myers-Briggs or an Insights. And they, they, there's some clues there to, oh, you're the type that likes to, to engage or you're the type that really would prefer not to, right? And then think about the environment in your home when you grew up. What was it like? What was it like around the dinner table? Were there spirited, heated conversations? Or did you grow up in a family or environment where that was avoided and maybe discouraged? Now think about geographically where you grew up. What was it like in the city or the country that you were raised in? What, what was the conflict style that was accepted or around you? I mean, I have many colleagues and clients that, that grew up in war-torn countries where there was unrest or some political uh, upheaval that, that really had everyone on edge constantly, right? Now, hopefully, as, as you're answering these questions for yourself, what's, what's coming up for you like it does for me is like, oh, okay, well, this is me. Well, what about the person that I sit beside or I look across the boardroom table from, they may have a completely different set of cues that set them up for conflict. Um, what professional experiences have you had that, that have, again, encouraged you or discouraged you from engaging in conflict? And then, then what else may have affected what incidents in your past or present may be influencing your comfort level around conflict? So hopefully just, just answering those questions for yourself, you can see that this is not a um, very a black and white situation where there's one way to be. But I wanted you to, to start this relationship. And, you know, honestly, most of the work that I do, I think starting with how do I think about this? How do I feel about this? Why do I think and feel this way is a really strong and healthy um, foundation to start from. You know, the opposite of that is how I operated for many years of my life. And like a lot of folks I work with do is they're, they're always looking externally and saying, well, I don't like the way this guy talks to me or I don't, I, don't, I don't like the way she handles herself in those situations. And they're just, these are just people coming at it from their lens, from their point of view. So if you're in, an, in a conflict situation and you want to resolve it, start with understanding your relationship with conflict. Now, in terms of how would you encourage it? I think it's, I think it's one of those things if you've been in a, uh, in a personal relationship where you've lived through some conflict, it actually, it grows the relationship exponentially. So let's say you and your manager had a really heated discussion about something and you kept it professional. I mean, there was definitely some disagreements, differences of opinions, some passion involved, but you got to the bottom of it. Whatever it was, someone was, was treating someone unfairly, um, there was a misunderstanding, there was, there was a lack of clarity. But you and your manager worked through it. Even though it was hard, it was painful, you may have lost a night of sleep, it may have carried on over the course of a week. But you got out the other side. And you got out the other side with a little better understanding about their perspective, and, and they got a better understanding of your perspective. Your relationship is stronger. You actually won. <laughs> Regardless of who won the argument, you both won because you came through the conflict 
And what that does is build trust that you can actually have heated debates. And I've, you know, you see this in other walks of life. You can watch, um, if you're watching, you know, professional sports on TV, you can see a coach and a player in a, in a pretty heated debate on the sidelines, where in that moment they don't agree. But then eventually something happens, something clicks, one of them gets through to the other and, and they figure out the right course of action or the, the right words are shared and it doesn't blow them up. They're not done. You know, the coach and the player are not done forever. In fact, there's, there's this bond now that comes through it. I mean, think about your personal relationships. If you've, you know, many of the people that I work with, they, we, you know, we have stories of siblings that we became estranged from at some point in our life because of difference of opinion or values or something. And it's, you know, when we talk about um, conflict in the family system. I mean, there's so much history and emotion there that it really, it glows red hot. But but think about if, if you and a sibling, and I know there's listeners right now that have unresolved conflicts with siblings. And I have good, very good friends and, that are that are in that right now. And I hurt for them because, you know, unresolved conflict means you've still got negative emotion around it. And there's some pain that, that you and the other party are carrying around. But when you get through it and come out the other side, you, you actually could both come out more whole and stronger. And now what that does is change your belief system around conflict to say, well, this is actually good. I mean, think of conflict as a little bit of discomfort or pain that you addressed in a healthy way. So that could be, you know, like comparing it to maybe doing an exercise that's difficult. Like the first time you went to do a hard hike or you, you tried cross-country skiing or you know, going for your first five kilometer run, your body was in conflict. It was like squawking at you saying, no, this hurts. I don't want to do it. And, you know, you didn't push through at all costs, but, you know, so you're honoring listening to your body, but you did kind of nurture it along and said, okay, well, maybe we'll walk for a little bit here and then we'll run again and then you finish it and then you feel stronger. And, and so if you were to approach conflict in the workplace like that, like, okay, this, there's going to be some discomfort, some tension here. But I'm actually going to trust the process. I'm going to trust my intention and their intention. And I think that's one of the other key things that that differentiates healthy and unhealthy conflict is, is for you to be thinking about what am I trying to accomplish here? And, and if you're trying to get your point across, shine light on a situation that someone's not seeing, uh, bring something new to the forefront, challenge a norm, I think those are green lights. But if you're trying to belittle someone, if you're trying to get back at somebody, if you're trying to pump up your own ego, I think you're, you're going down a, a dangerous path that, that likely will lead to unproductive behavior and, and what we would call negative conflict. One of the things I encourage teams to do is, is to come up with some norms. Like, how do we want to roll around conflict? How do we want to be? You know, Im imagine... You grew up in a household where it was quiet. Your mom was the school librarian um, and your dad was a chartered accountant and you were an only child. And so at dinner time, it was quiet, even being called for dinner. And I know I'm stereotyping here, but hey, this is, this is just to, to make a point. You, um, you get called to dinner and you have a nice quiet conversation. And that feels normal, okay? Now you're in a work team with somebody that was the ninth of 10 kids. And this was a family that had a lot of conversations and a lot of energy and a lot of passion. There was a lot of moving parts and a lot of hands and fists and voices at the dinner table. 
So what feels like normal dinner conversation to them might seem like a riot to the person I just described earlier. Those two people exist in the workplace, right? So understanding that there's a range of comfort around conflict. So I think what great teams do and what great leaders do is create some norms for the team they work with. And, you know, you could have some ground rules or rules of engagement that say, yeah, let's be tough on issues. Let's, let's not leave things here. Because one of the worst dynamics that I've seen in the workplace is when we get in a meeting, we get everyone together, we have a difference of opinion, but we, we now don't, don't trust each other enough to share the difference of opinion. So I'm not going to challenge you in front of everybody or challenge your ideas. I'm going to wait till the meeting's over. Now, what we used to do is go down to the water cooler. I go down to someone's office and say, can you believe that he said that? What a bozo. I really disagree with him. But I didn't, I didn't have the guts or the know-how or the confidence to challenge what he was saying in the meeting. So then I go and kind of, you know, back channel it. Now, what, what I'm seeing happening now is on Zoom or Teams calls, there's someone speaking, someone disagrees, but again, they don't have the, the courage, the gumption, the skills to challenge what they're saying. But now they're having these little side messages with people saying, can you believe she just said that? What is she thinking? Right. So, I mean, we do find all kinds of little strategies to keep us from wading into conflict. So when I talk about conflict norming, I think the leader needs to encourage, say, listen, there's a reason there's six of us or eight of us or four of us on this team. And I want to hear your voice. And I don't want to just hear you agreeing, especially with me. You know, the more senior people are in the organization, the more they actually have a craving and a hunger for their thoughts and ideas to be challenged. And yet, the higher up the food chain the organization they are, the less challenge they get because people are being deferential. And it's like, well, I don't want to challenge her. She's the, you know, she's my boss or she's my boss's boss. Um, that could be a career limiting move. And yet these people, these bosses, boss say, no, I want to be challenged. I want people to show me that they're thinking. I haven't got it all right. So I hope as you're listening to this, a couple of things are happening. One, you're taking the time to think about how you feel about conflict and think about what better looks like. What would better look like? I know for me, it's I had to learn that conflict was part of serving others. So I always wanted to be nice and I always wanted to be liked. And I know where that comes from now. <laughs> and I grew up in a household where we were told we were not allowed to argue. We were not allowed to fight. So to me, engaging in conflict was bad. It was wrong. And, you know, this is not picking on my parents, but I've done a lot of work and, you know, I've got a, a podcast out with uh, my therapist where I'm learning a lot about, the, you know, the, the environment that I grew up in and how it shapes how I behave as a leader and as a, as a human. And this is not about, you know, hanging around in the past and, and blaming our upbringing or our school system or your, you know, t-ball coach. But it's about recognizing that you've, you've had experiences that shape where, where you sit with conflict now. And then to invite you to step forward and say, okay, what does better look like? So for me, for Chris, better has looked like engaging sooner, catching myself when I find myself avoiding it, and then thinking, no, I'm gonna be honest here. And then asking myself, why? What is it that I have the issue with? 
What am I challenging? And being really clear about the language and not couching it. And it's very similar to the session I did on feedback is like, you know, there's, there's no point planting flowers around what you're trying to say. Say it in as few words as possible, as clearly and as concisely, and just let it sit there. And not, don't worry so much about how everyone's going to react to it. Now, with other people I work with, I think the invitation is for them to take a step back. I, I have clients and, and colleagues in my world that, you know, at the first sight of conflict, they've got their boxing gloves on and they want to go just for sport. They love the energy. They love an argument. And understanding that that's them and not everyone on their team gets energized by that. A lot of people get shut down. So for some people, the invitation is to step back and go, why am I so excited about this, this difference? And what is that need that it's trying to fill in me? So at the end of the day, regardless of where you are in the continuum, I think there's an opportunity to just better understand yourself and your relationship with conflict. And then just make it part of, of great communication. So just like giving feedback, just like giving space for others, just like challenging yourself to learn something new, it's all part of your, your leadership toolkit to say, okay, we want conflict. Our team is not afraid of conflict and we're engaging in conflict to produce a better result. You know, when I think about the, the cost of unresolved conflict, it reminds me of a, um, a situation I was in a number of years ago. So part of my work that, that's really energizing to me is when I do consulting um, with teams, right? Where I get a call from the leader saying, hey, Chris, I don't know what's happening here. There's something not right. <clears throat> Our team is not operating at the level they could be. And can we do some training? And, and many times I ask, like, well, what is, he, what is it you want training on? And um, I suggest that instead of training, have me come in and talk to your, your folks. Let me, let me talk to them one-on-one -on -one and just see, see how they feel about the team and how they're operating and how they're communicating. And inevitably, w what I find out is there's, there's some unresolved conflict there that's actually gotten in the way. And it's like years have gone by and there's been layers of dysfunction in their behavior built up around that. And this particular client was new to me and, and, and they weren't new to each other. I mean, these were folks that had been working together 15 years or more. And in my conversations, there was seven people on the team. And it turns out that that these two people, uh, Janet and Eric, we'll call them, they had something happen. Seven years prior to me engaging with them, they had a situation and it, it had to do with the hiring of someone from someone else's department and they didn't check in, they didn't follow the right protocol on kind of saying, hey, do you mind if, if I hire this person over? So the incident happened and it never got dealt with. So. Janet was pissed off, Eric was pissed off, but they never dealt with it. Their leader never dealt with it. And here we are seven years later and it comes up. And I'm thinking, how in the world would these two people, I mean, I was virtually a stranger to them. I'd known them for an hour. And they both shared with me their version of that situation. And it was it's just so fascinating, I'm thinking like, You've known each other for years. Your manager knows you. How could you have not dealt with it? And I realized that, you know, it's actually not that uncommon, but the cost is real. And, you know, it was, it was fascinating. And I did nothing magic. I just brought it to the surface and gave them a place 
to talk about it, gave them the arena to talk about it. And they did. They put it, they put it to bed like that, something they'd been carrying around. So it told me a couple of things. One is that I think innately people don't want to carry around conflict, but we don't feel safe or we don't know how to take it on or we don't have the tools. And I think a lot of times, and I know the leader in this situation, the senior leader to these two, didn't want to take it on. They knew something was up, but they never sat down. That leader who brought me in could have done what I did. There was nothing magical about what I did, but we brought it to the surface. And it was interesting because what had happened is camps had developed over time. So there was a Janet camp and an Eric camp. And so the people that reported to Eric now would you know, not really play as nice in the sandbox with the people who reported to Janet because they were being fed the narrative that they got. So when I hear about that stat of $359 billion in, in lost staff productivity, I get it because there's so many of these Janet and Eric situations that have been perpetuated for years um, and they haven't been dealt with. So hopefully what you got out of tuning in today is a deeper understanding of your relationship with conflict and maybe a little more energy or an invitation to manage conflict more swiftly and more skillfully. You know, being able to identify and solve problems quicker, to build healthier morale and relationships in the workplace, improve productivity. These are all pretty good reasons to get more comfortable engaging in conflict. And if you've got something really big and scary on your plate and you don't know what to do with it, you can always reach out to me. I'd be happy to hear from you. The Real Leadership Podcast is produced by Chris Obst Leadership and Alive Creative Services. Thank you for listening.